a platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is Biz Talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this very special edition of Biz Talk on CRIE, China International Import Expo. I'm your host, Zheng Junfeng. Today, I'm honored to be joined by two very special and kind guests. Also, they have a very huge boost at CRIE. We're joined by Anne Polakuliga. She is CEO of uh, uh, IKEA China. She's been on our show for quite a few times. Yes, thank you for having me. Yep. Good morning. And we also have Mr. Jan Buzak. He's Tips Tree Asia Pacific President. He's also President and CEO of Coach China. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Both of you have been, uh, been to CIE for quite a few times, right? Yes. Uh, starting with the lady, Aunt Anna, how many times have you been to CIE? Actually, it's our fourth time. Uh, we started four years ago, and uh, every year was a very successful year. Uh, this year, uh, of course, for us, it's uh, very special because we introduced a lot of uh, news uh, to, to China market as well. And our theme is actually sustainability and co-create with China. It's a great platform to network, to co-create together, to um, uh, inspire each other, actually contribute to the, to the better life of the, of the many. Yeah. Mm. Talking about network, you just got to know Jan, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we just met with each other. Yeah. Jan, how many times have you been to CIE? I think this is the third time this time. And we really love the platform. And it's a unique opportunity to meet a lot of friends, people like you, reporters, also, also some people from the government, also some landlord, and most importantly, a lot of customers which are visiting the booth and giving us feedback about the innovation that we are displaying there. Mm. For people who do not know much about Tapestry, because it's a group, uh, tell us about your group and the brand underneath it. So Tapestry is a house of three brands, Coach, Kate Spade, and Stuart Wiseman. Right. Uh, we see IKEA has a lot of suppliers in China. Also, uh, you have lots of shops in China. But uh, when you come to CIE, I mean, much of your products are actually made in China. So what does this platform offer you? Mm -hmm. I think this platform offers us uh, many fantastic opportunities. Uh, uh, first of all, what we want to do, we want to actually share our purpose, uh, that we are a brand for the many people uh, in China and across the world. Uh, for us this year, uh, like I said, is very unique. Uh, sustainability is the main red threat. Uh, our booth is called uh, The Better Life We Live uh, at some point. And uh, I think uh, why we did it, I think the uh, reason is very simple. It's the most important decade in the humankind history uh, at some point. Uh, we want to show as well many customers, many stakeholders that uh, uh, sustainability cannot be luxury for the few. It has to be affordable for the many. Um, we introduced a lot of innovative products uh, that are actually symbolicking the sustainability approach uh, from the full value chain, how we make products, how we distribute products to the customers. Uh, because we think about actually sustainability from the moment we design product, what it's made of, how it's distributed, how it's produced. We think about also our uh, Cumber footprint as well. So this is the one part of the sustainability angle. And the second part, uh, part uh, this year, especially unique for us, is that uh, we want to also show that uh, we are um, having uh, and uh, we are marching very proudly our uh, localized strategy for China. We co-create a lot of products with uh, Chinese consumers, uh, with our local development center in China. Uh, we can see uh, during this uh, venue this year our um, uh, first launch ever. It's a world premiere, a little bit, our Chinese New Year uh, range uh, for IKEA. And we many, many Chinese more. Chinese New Year products. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, third component is that's IKEA business, because of course we work with many com uh, commercial customers as well, and also we want to bring sustainability, healthy work environment to the many, many um, uh, potential customers uh, in the sector. So very rich content, uh, very broad spectrum, but a very fruitful day so far. Right. Talking about sustainability, uh, Tapestream may have something to add, because traditionally luxury products are associated with animal fur, animal leather, 
you know, uh, they may have uh, environmental consequences. Do you have some plans to tackle uh, the sustainability issue? Yes, thank you, Charles. Yeah, in fact, we had plans for quite a lot of time, and we're, we, I mean, we are very mindful about the social fabric. You know, we are all living in the same world at the end, uh, and we take our responsibility very, very seriously. So we had, we had a plan that we started, in fact, uh, in 2014 about reduction of our carbon footprint, about reduction and being very careful about how do we source each of our material. And we are very sourcing, pleased. Sourcing, huh? Sourcing. Sourcing of the material. You know, we are very pleased with the progress that we have achieved. In fact, we reduced, despite the growth of the business, we reduced our carbon footprint by more than 20% since 2015. And we are paying a lot of attention also about sourcing. We are also working on some very interesting new opportunities. Uh, you know, the Coach Brain, for example, we started already nearly 10 years ago a program about taking care of your product, you know, repairing and caring. And everybody who is the owner of a coach bag can come to any store okay. and we will take care of them and repair it. Here in China, we repair more than 69,000 handbags over the past few years. How many years can IKEA furniture last? For us, uh, we have a very simple principle for every product we design from the glass, plate, uh, sofa, uh, wardrobe, kitchen, furniture. It has to fulfill five criteria. It has to have a high quality, has to be affordable and low priced, it has to be sustainable, it has to have function and it has to have a nice form as well. And our kitchens, our materials, uh, 25 years warranty, our parks wardrobe the same, so we, we believe in our products, so we also put uh, a lot of efforts to make sure that those products are uh, durable. And at the same time also to prolong a little bit what, what Jan mentioned as well, uh, the, the life of the furniture we introduced to, to China market uh, last year, uh, circular hubs. Because simply we want to customers also to have possibility to give the furniture a second life, uh, not throw them away, it's waste uh, as well. And for us, every, every part of waste can be a resource as well, so we have to uh, very much carefully also think the whole supply chain model, how we can put it back uh, again as well. So it's a very important topic for us. Great. Jan, let's continue a little bit because last year or earlier this year, there was a trend calling for fashion brands to disclose their information as much as possible yeah. uh, because of the environmental concern. Are you press pressured? Are you concerned about this trend? Again, we're all living in the same planet. Honestly speaking, we're not concerned about that. We embrace that. I mean, we're living in a world which I would love my children and my grandchildren to be able to live as comfortable as we do today. So I think it's the responsibility of every company to make the most progress possible to really make it happen. You know, I mean, I was talking about the durability of the product. We, we are launching, we just launched, in fact, in the United States, and we will launch in China very soon. Another program for handbag, which is, I mean, if you don't maintain it so well and it becomes damaged, you bring it back to us and we will maybe pay you back some money and we will try to reuse the material to do something else, to do another product from it. You know, that's something that we just start to do. And there will be a lot and more and more initiatives because, again, I mean, there is an urgency around us here. Would you consider such initiative? I mean, someone has old furniture? I think we, we introduced this service already to China market as well. Uh, you already? Yes, we have circular hubs uh, in Shanghai market and some others as well. Uh, so 30% of our stores in, in China has the circular hub. Wow. When we uh, invite, especially in the store of Tomorrow and Shuhua, you can come and you can repaint your table, you can repair it, reuse it, resell it. 
wow. etc. So, so I think this is the future of every single brand. If you really care about environment, uh, what, what Johnson and what you mentioned, I think you have to have embedded circularity in your business model. But now I'm more into like real world products. You do have real world products. Yes, I mean, we do. Real world feel good, but they have environmental consequences. People have to cut down trees. So as many more and more Chinese people, or global customers of IKEA, move up the consumption ladder and demand more, you know, high-end premium products, real world. Um, how do you deal with such, you know, um, consumption trend? They may have environmental consequences. I think when we have decided about our sustainability strategy a long time ago, uh, uh, what I can share today, uh, when it comes to the, the wood itself, 98% of our furnitures, uh, wood from furnitures, is sourced from uh, um, FSC certified or uh, recycled materials. 98%. It's also about sourcing, uh, right? Yes, 100% of the, of, the, of the wood that we have in our range is uh, um, uh, sourced from uh, more responsible uh, managed forest. It makes sure, we simply make sure that we don't contribute to deforestation. Uh, so the forest well. manage it in a yes. scientific way, sustainable way, and you're yes. only sourcing from yes, these forests. absolutely. And of course, the third component is we, we, of course, we are a curious company. We want to be innovative all the time. We ask ourselves how we can be better. Uh, today in our booth, CCI, you can see, for example, Hermes furniture and uh, how Hermes is produced. It's uh, simply furniture from wood, a uh, fantastic range. But what we also injected is the, actually the waste of pine tree that normally it could go to waste. So also we embrace all the, uh, all the parts of our supply chain to make sure that uh, we embed those kind of uh, products in those kind of uh, thinking as well. Okay. So you have to be innovative. You have to um, think circular and you have to simply walk the talk. Jan, do you feel that Chinese consumers are also becoming more and more aware of the products they buy? Do they welcome your products with environmental protection concepts behind it? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, we all live in the same world and we all live in, uh, in China here. And speaking to my friends and speaking also to our customer in the store, definitely it's becoming more and more a topic which is top of mind for everybody. Are IKEA furnitures in your shops that, oh, this wood uh, is sourcing from somewhere, is made of uh, environmental friendly materials. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is quite useful in your sales, right? I think, Charles, when we talk to the customers from uh, Harbin to Shenzhen, from Jinan to, to Shanghai, etc., we know that customers are really concerned about the environment. Yes, after simple things like paying bills, they're really concerned about the bigger things in life. Uh, uh, planet is one of them. Uh, today, 30% uh, of our sales uh, comes from the sustainable range. So the range that is either very responsibly developed or it contributes to sustainable life at home, saving water, saving energy. And answering your question, the answer from my side is yes. IKEA customers are much more careful about the choices. They are much more concerned about the health. And they have simply, um, uh, they want to have simply better life. So everything what they buy, they want to actually have a contribution to the better life quality. next topic is also very important, the pandemic. It's been going on for two years. And tell us about your experience and how your business has been faring in the past two years. Jan. So first, from a pure business perspective, I think here in China, uh, in fact, the business has been quite good, I should say. I mean, we were growing 60% uh, for the quarter, for the past fiscal year, we are growing by 60% versus last year and 40% versus pre-COVID uh, business. So you the business, growth. Has, yeah, growth. the growth of business has been, uh, has been quite good. I mean, then obviously, I mean, COVID has changed a lot of things, the way people engage with the brand, the way people connect with the product and the way connect with each other. And we were adapting to that. So definitely our strategy moved a lot more toward 
digital connection, as well as balancing with the real connection. Great. What about you? So we accelerated our digitalization strategy, we accelerated different store formats, we accelerated local range development, so we could, uh, we tried to do utmost to actually speed up the transformation in China market. Now we are uh, actually very successful having uh, uh, a lot of store formats in, in China. We have different store formats, different sales channels. I think uh, transformation accelerating because COVID is the big accelerator of the transformation uh, of the digitalization. Okay, if sales is, is good and people... Um coming back to your shops and buying online, what about supply chain? I mean, how do you deal with problems? Of course, we know there's a global issue uh, across many sectors uh, of, the, of the economy in the world. Uh, Shipping. Yes, there, there's a problem, absolutely. And uh, of course, uh, uh, we try to do utmost together, coming together as uh, uh, management teams from many countries uh, uh, on the group level, on the countries level, together with our suppliers, our colleagues from, from supply chain, uh, trying to actually maneuver. And uh, we look into many possibilities to really optimize uh, top sellers, to optimize uh, um, seasonality. I'm curious, uh, how, how, how many is the percentage in China that the, the, the products uh, sold, uh, sold in China actually made in China? Actually, uh, um, our colleagues from purchasing and logistics uh, East Asia are contributing to close to 30% of the global volume, which is a big, big amount, 30% of global volume. I mean, how much percentage of the products you sell in China are actually made in China? Uh, equivalent the same, equivalent the same. Okay. Yes, but it's enlarging, enlarging, because like we said, a year ago we have established our local development center and this, this will be enlarging. And uh, having a disruption of the supply chain today, we're actually looking how to actually optimize uh, much more this kind of local sourcing and local production and design okay. and the China market. Okay, Jan, uh, you're, you're absolutely, I, I guess, you're, sh you're shipping uh, lots of your products from elsewhere to China, right, and from China to the world. So how does this shipping problems and I think we have a influence your supply chain. We're kind of blessed to have a very diversified uh, source of product. You know, products are coming from Southeast Asia, from Europe, from China a little bit as well. And, and I think many years ago, one of the key direction and strategy for supply chain was agility. And I should say that we are benefiting from that now because I mean, COVID is moving from one place to the other, but having a very diversified source of product is helping. Now let's move on to what you just mentioned, digitalization, okay? Uh, Anna said digitalization has helped her uh, business recover. What about yours? I mean, digital, especially here, as we say in China, which is really at the forefront of what digital innovation is for the rest of the world. I mean, digital is part of our life. Are you saying that China is one step uh, ahead of many markets uh, I mean, in digitalization? Five. I would say five we, steps. I, I mean, yeah, one step is not enough. One of your colleagues one day asked me, what is your digital strategy? And I remember my answer at that time is like, you can ask me, what is my water strategy? You know, I drink water, I'm alive. I don't drink water, I'm dying. Oh, that's so essential. I mean, I mean but that's essential in our everyday life. I mean, we're all living with that here and, and the Chinese customer and we here in China in fact are spending an average seven to eight hours on the mobile device. I think the, the way the society is embracing the digital world here, again, it's not one step, it's maybe four or five years ahead of the rest of the world and if you want to be close to your customer, you have to be where your customers are and you want to live the life of your customer and connect them where they are. So that's why digital is not even a choice. It's so. What are the things? Uh, tell us. What are the things that you're do already doing uh, on online? I mean, we're you're selling online, right? You have shops. We have shops in a lot of places. But you know, when we speak about digital, 
I don't look at that as only e-commerce. Uh, one of our founder, in fact, for the coach brand, uh, when I joined the company 13 years ago, told me something which still resonates a lot for me, which is a brand is built in the heart and the mind of a customer with one person in the store which is working for the brain, a sales associate or representative of the brain, speaking to one customer around one product. And that was so inspiring for me because that's a real human connection. And I think 13 years later, in the world of today, things have not changed so dramatically. There is still one person speaking to a customer around one product. The only thing that changed is that this interaction doesn't need to happen in the four wall of a store. So, Four years ago, in fact, we started to notice that the teams in the store, living in the world they are living, were embracing digitalization. They wanted to be the ambassador of the brand online, and they were posting on their WeChat, on their little red book, on all of the social media. And maybe unlike some other brand, we didn't come and tell them, you have to stop that. We provide them training. We say, what do we need? What do we need to do to help you doing more than that? I know we are very pleased to have, in fact, hundreds of teams in our stores which are really embracing digital and becoming brand ambassador and our in-house KOL, in fact. I mean, we are also working on embracing live stream, which is something that did not really exist before the pandemic, but which is now part of everyday life. And yes, we are engaged. We are live streaming now. We are live streaming yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> and the same for IKEA, I think, because uh, like you mentioned, Jan, I think it's important to say that uh, digitalization is not for sake of it. It has a higher purpose. Uh, we have decided uh, that IKEA is a meeting place. It doesn't matter if it's online or offline. Uh, our coworkers are doing embracing uh, digitalization, omnichannel, live streaming uh, as well. But at the same time, I think it's important to say that, uh, at least from our side, uh, when it comes to IKEA retail uh, uh, organization, we, we will be people-centric, integrated retail, retail uh, as well uh, at some I mean, point. But and your business model, I mean, look at IKEA shops. They are huge. Absolutely. It's, like it's a one-stop shop. Yes, it's still our, our core business, you but at the same time... You can drink uh, there. You can yes, sleep yes, there, yes. spending the whole day. It's a meeting place. It's you, a meeting place yeah, for the manager. designed the whole thing yes. for a family trip uh, yes. do it for a whole day. Absolutely. But, mm -hmm. but you're also doing online business. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, we, we, we follow the trends of the market. We, we uh, are a curious company. We innovate, we develop, we listen to the customers. Uh, it's important to be uh, on the toes and uh, walk the talk as well when the customers are. It's very important. Are you going to um, adapt the Chinese way in other places in the world? Uh, hopefully, because we have decided that China is one of the most strategic markets. And uh, together with my team, we innovate, we test many things. One of the tests that we have first in the world is Store of the Future, a home experience of tomorrow in Shuhei. It's the first store with different more, from a different business model. And hopefully we can learn from the Chinese customers together with them and scale up those things for the rest of the world. Right. When you talk to, um, Jan, when you talk to your colleagues on other parts of the world, um, do you also tell them what you experience in China? Are you, are you going to promote uh, your practice in China globally? I mean, of course, we're having constant conversation, but I should say that a lot of my colleagues all around the world are very curious and eager, in fact, to say, hey, what is happening now in China? What are you doing? You know, when I was speaking about the third associate or teams in the store becoming KOL, an ambassador of the brand, that's something that the whole Asia, Europe, and United States embrace now. And we even share the training material that we have developed here. I mean, when our teams in the store are doing hundreds of live streaming every month, basically, because we were 
training them and because they want to do that because they found it's a relevant way. It's fun. It's fun and you know people in the United States, people in Europe, people in the rest of Asia embrace that and we are, we are having constant conversation. We even have a global kind of in-house QL community which sends tips to each other and share best practice and most importantly the fun that they are having. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the consumption behavior they observe here. You know, we all talk about young generation, Generation Z, how strange they are, how much they spend. They spend on something they don't really need with money they don't really have to impress people they don't really care. I mean, there are all sorts of generalizations and judgments on them. Briefly, your understanding of the Chinese young generation, post-19, the Generation Z, people in teenagers. Mm -hmm. I think overall, uh, customer segment in China is very uh, fragmented. Very unique. Fragmented. Very fragmented, but very unique as well at the same time. And I think we have decided that we want to be very inclusive brands. So we have offering for every single segment of the customer, uh, age uh, preferences as well. We also did a very, very profound study of the life at home perspective, uh, uh, looking, talking to the many customers uh, from different uh, groups, different so you, segments. Yeah, you don't we judge on their age. We don't judge for age. We, we actually, everybody has their own needs, their own preferences. And uh, the brand role is to meet those needs, not, not to judge, but meet those needs, listen to them, and co create with them. Do you have like typical uh, ideas or typical image of your customers for, for coach or for tapestry? I think, you know, tapestry is a house of three very distinct brands with a lot of appeal and each of them having a very, very strong DNA and personality and they're all different. But then when you look at the customer first, there is no such a thing as the customer. When you okay. speak about the Gen Z customer, I mean, we conducted a lot of analysis and segmentation. And we realize that, in fact, the reason why a customer is engaging with one brand or another is the demographic, the age, the revenue, the where you're living, the education are not the reason why people are choosing one brand yes. or the other. What we realize for handbags, at least, is that a customer is choosing one brand or the other based on how much their level of fashionability is and how do they want to engage with the people around them when they are working or when they are not working. And we realize very interestingly, at least for the coach brand, for example, that there is really two types of customer. There is the one which is looking for something new all the time. Yeah. You know, I want the new stuff. I want the new stuff. Curious ones. And you have somebody who is looking for the timeless stuff. Yeah, classic you know, ones. I'm more on the timeless style, you know, okay. which in, I will buy a product which is the original, you know, the thing that was here at the creation, which can last forever. And you have some customer who will look for, no, I want the new one. And you know what? You have people who are 20 years old like that, and you have people who are 50 years so old or more like you don't, that. You don't judge on ages. But it's a very important point that you mentioned, I think. It's, of course, offering is one, yes? So how, you see, how the uh, consumers see the offering, the products itself. But also it's very important to distinguish the way how you want to meet the customer. Because, of course, the customer uh, has very different uh, um, ways and purpose of, of meeting the brand as well. Uh, different Great. touch points, different channels, etc. So the coherent approach the consumer has to yes. be on totality. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we'd love to share more. Jan from Tipstreet and Anna from IKEA. And I'm Jun Jun Fung. Thank you for watching this very special edition of CEO Roundtable at BizTalk.